Good morning. How is everyone doing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just love hearing the prayers and testimonies and praises of God's people. It's encouraging, you know, um, to hear what God's doing in, in one of those lives and, and to hear, you know, God is, uh, he, uh, he speaks to us, he directs us, he answers prayers, uh, he's worthy of praise, and so I just love that. Just, it's, God is so good. If you have your Bibles open um, to the book of James, we're continuing our, our study through this wonderful, wonderful epistle. <clears throat> and uh, say hello to those who are watching online. James is a, uh, um, a very practical book, and uh, we are actually going to finish chapter one today. So one chapter down and four more to go. So this has been great. Let me pray. Father, I just pray that you would put your words in my mouth as you told Jeremiah and that you would open up your word, Lord, and speak. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, give me the words to say and just um, minister to us through your wonderful word. In Jesus' name, amen. James, of course, uh, I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. That's where we're going to be at. And then we'll talk about it. James says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now James, of course, has been talking about trials. Uh, consider it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, right? And so we've talked about how God uses trials in our life to, to deepen us, to refine us, to strengthen our faith, to, to, uh, to mature us. And that's the ultimate goal is maturity. Everything that James is talking about is how to get to maturity and what that looks like, okay? And then he went on from there to talk about temptation, right? Well, let no one say when he is being tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by anyone. Um, temptation is not from the Lord, but the Lord is available to help us during temptation. And last week we looked at how he talks about the use of the word. What will you do with the word of God? Um, receive the word of God, as he says um, back in verse 21. And how you receive the word of God, how you hear the word of God, and then what you do with it. Be doers of the word, right? So James is now finishing up that discussion about being doers of the word. And the question is, well, what does that look like? And at the end of the chapter, he begins to show us what that looks like. James um, says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious. Now, let me just stop right there. Sometimes there is a need for self-assessment, Okay. There is a need to say, look back and say, am I where I ought to be in the Christian faith? Um, and sometimes uh, uh, it's necessary to take stock in, in where you're at as, as a believer, or if you're not a believer, to find out I'm not really a believer. And so he starts off by saying, uh, by hinting at the fact that there is a need for us to assess where, where we're at. Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious. That word think is to 
is, uh, is the word dokeo. It means to suppose or to believe something, but not with being fully settled in your mind. You think this, but you're not fully settled in your mind. If you think you're religious, um, you think you're, you're um, in, um, in, the, in, in, uh, in Christ, or you think you're, you're well, there, there's an assessment that has to take place. And I lo- love what James does is that what he does in this chapter, and what even Paul does, is that he begins with the general principle, okay? And he follows it with application. The principle, you're going to go through trials, right? Trials are going to develop you. That's a principle. Application, pray, God, pray to God for wisdom, right? Um, principle, be doers of the word. Application, let me give you some examples of what that looks like, okay? There's, a, there's always a general principle as you read the scripture, and then he goes through and gives you the, what that looks like in real life, okay? Um, and so by, based on these things, we're going to look and see um, um, where we're at. And so James says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, Paul talks about the fact that we are to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves. Those are good things to do. You know, okay, I'll be honest. I hate taking a self-evaluation exam. Have you guys ever take the, uh, those personality tests to find out if you're you know, one personality or another, and they're always the self-evaluation. I know that a couple of people like to take those. I don't like those things, but sometimes an evaluation is good, right? It tells you what's going on beneath the surface, right? It tells you if you're steering off course, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're driving, you're switching lanes. So James says, if anyone thinks himself, he supposes himself, he evaluates himself um, to be religious. We need self-evaluation, we need assessment. One is because our, limita- our, our perceptions are limited. Um, we sort of, we, maybe only see, we maybe have blind spots and we need somebody outside that tells, hey, you're veering off course, you know? So we need that. Um, and also, we need it because sometimes we go through the motions, we look the part, you know? But it's not really what's really going on. And that's, um, it's easy to look the part, it's easy to look the devotion to the Lord, but um, it does not really belong. So he says, if anyone thinks himself to be, what does he mean by religious? Now, when we say religious nowadays, there's a certain connotation. Connotation is, well, you know, religious thing is bad, you know, it's about relationship. How many of you guys have heard that? Christianity is not about religion, it's about relationship. Right? You've heard that before? It's so cliched. It's not biblical. Christianity is a religious relationship. <laughs> right? It sounds, it's very popular to say that, but it's not right. Now if we say if, if Christianity is not just about external uh, you know, actions, okay, I agree with you there. Um, so there's, there's a religious relationship and and. James and others in the scripture talks about, you know, this word religion here is, is threskos, religi- uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a devotion to God. Um, when, when Paul was, was Saul and he was a Pharisee, he was a very observant to their religion, to their external forms, right? To what he thought, but it was empty. Uh, it's a sign of being devoted, being religious. So when we say religious, I'm not saying it in a cliched Religion versus relationship. I'm saying, as Paul or as James is saying, a right relationship that's true 
to Christianity, right? A religious relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and I think James is saying, if you think you're religious, it ought not to be shallow religion. And I think that's what happens today is we say relationship versus religion. Usually that's shallow. He goes, let not your religion be shallow. Okay? So, um, so James then gives us um, some tests. How do I know if my, if my faith is genuine? If anyone thinks himself to be religious, the first thing, he's going to give us three tests. And the first test, the first assessment, it's like you go to the doctor, and you, something's not right, right? And he puts you into the machine, the MRI, the EKG, or whatever it is, and he assesses what's really going on. Let's test out what's going on. Your heart's not right, your brain's not right, whatever. Let's see what's going on beneath the surface. And he so, Here's a way we can assess what's going on beneath the surface. And there's three tests. The first test is this. Number one is control of the tongue. If you want to find out what's really going on beneath the surface, let me hear how you talk. Now, James is going to go through this later on in the book. He's actually going to develop the, the tongue later on, chapter 3 and chapter 4, both with uh, uh, the tongue being a, tongue, uh, 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 um, a source of great conflict and and uh, destruction, but but he says, control the tongue. That's the first point. First test of, of of genuine faith is control of the tongue. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, the word bridle it means to hold in check. It's a the picture of what the horse has in his mouth, right? The horse is a powerful creature, right? But you control that horse with that bridle, right? And you got the, the, the reins, you know? And he says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and he doesn't tighten the reins of his tongue, of his mouth, if he doesn't exercise self-control, he doesn't, uh, the bridle controls and guides something so powerful. Last thing you want is wild horses running around and last thing you need is wild tongues running around, right? So a first sign of of genuine faith is control of the tongue. Later, James will say in chapter 3, verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. He got, he gets, James got right to the heart of the matter really fast. If I hear how you talk or you listen to somebody, how they talk or what they say, it reveals a lot, Right? Reveals really what's going on. You can have all the externals and look the part and go through the motions. But how you speak will be a true indication of what's really going on. Now why is controlling the tongue an indication of faith? Because what you say reveals your heart. Go with me to Matthew 15. Go with me to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and uh, verse 18 Jesus says but the things that proceed out of the mouth 
come from the heart and those defile a man. He was talking about how you can, um, he was explaining um, what he had taught to their Pharisees before. But he said, Jesus says, that which comes out of the mouth um, defile, comes from the heart and those defile a man. For out of the heart, here it is, come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with one unwashed hands does not defile a man. Out of the heart comes all kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of stuff. Okay, so on, on, the, on the street right here, on Cave Creek, I think they were working on the sewage pipes. Remember how, the, how bad the smell's been? Actually, I haven't, I haven't smelled a thing because my, my, my nose is not working. But they tell me that it smells. It does, okay? It t- they tell me when they come in here, it smells. And for the longest time, they had those huge, I think they were redirecting, I'm not sure what they were doing, but it smelled. And it was all the sewage, you know, and that, those sewage pipes were being replaced, and they smell, right? Those, those sewage pipes often are, can represent what can happen to somebody's heart, right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to know it's there, but it's there, right? And Jesus says, out of the heart proceed all kinds of things. So why do we need control of the tongue? It's indication of what's going on in the heart. What you say, go back to James, what you say reveals if your religion has any power. What you say reveals if your religion, because if your religion can't change your heart, mm, there's no power. I mean, this is where as you're reading Scripture and you're like, Lord, speak to my heart. Deal with my heart. I'm, I'm smelling sewage right now, Lord. <laughs> Help me clean that up. This doesn't mean that you'll be perfect in your expression. We're going to struggle. Paul says in Romans 7, that we, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I, I do, and I don't want to do. You know? But what you say reveals the effect of your religion on your heart. Our hearts are in great need of transformation. Okay, this, isn't just a, this isn't just covering up. This is a complete transformation that's needed. And James says um, that controlling the tongue or having control over the tongue, exercise self-control, can reveal where your heart is. Controlling a tongue is so important because words build up you can build people up with your words, right? And you can tear them down. And I'm telling you, you could say something even offhanded to somebody and they'll remember it 20 years later. Right? James is going to get more into that, so I'm not going to get so much into this, but I'm going to say is, the first test is controlling the tongue. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, right? Exercise, complete control. So he says, control or bridle your tongue. But I have something to say, and it's true. I'm just being real. Yeah, I know you're being real, but you sound like you're, you don't have to bring it up like you bring up the sewage, right? It doesn't have to be real in that sense. It's like you're just showing me what's going on. True religion changes the heart and it demonstrates through the words we speak. The psalmist says, Who is the man who desires life in a, long, a length of days, love lengths of days, 
that he may see good. Here it is. The person who desires life and length of days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. There's power in your words. All of us are affected by words. Right? And every single one of us desires to be encouraged. We desire to have gracious words spoken to us, words of hope. And if you're like me, most of us, I'm going to speak for myself, are already hard on ourselves, self-critical. How many of you guys are self-critical? Yeah, don't criticize me. I already criticized myself 20 times greater than what you can t- criticize me for. I don't need to hear that. Yeah, but it's true, but we'll get to that in a second. Words are, impact your soul. That's why the disciples love, and we follow following Jesus because he has words of life, right? You have words of encouragement. The psalmist says, I will guard my ways that I might not, may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. I will guard my mouth. I will put a, a bridle on my tongue and my mouth and guard it as a muzzle. Watch, even when the wicked are in my presence. Because I could say you're something really, really mean and nasty, but I'm not. I'm going to be gracious. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, over, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Your words can't be taken back. The Proverbs 10.19 says, when, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Sometimes the wisest thing is to not say a thing, right? So if you could control your tongue, there's a first test of that. There's transformation going on in your heart. Let me ask you. Now, this is a question I ask myself, okay? So when I ask you guys questions, I'm asking myself, okay? Because when I read the Word, I'm like, Lord, I want to learn this. I want to grow from this. I want to get from here to here, right? So work on my heart. Let me ask, does your tongue get the best of you? Does your tongue get the best of you? Are you loose with your words? Do you slander people behind their back? Do you speak kindly to their face and then as soon as they're gone, you start tearing them down? Do you gossip? Is your language uplifting? Is it gracious? That's what you know, Paul says, let your, your speech always be with grace as with season with salt. Do I tear down with my words? I'm telling you, James is a heavy book, right? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. Right here. Oh, here's one. Do I know that what I'm about to say is wrong, but I still have the urge to say it just to show myself right or prove the person wrong? How many of you guys have done that? I, I'm, I'm about to say something. I know it's wrong because it's good, but I'm going to say it because it's going to make me look good and it's going to tear you down to make me look better. Right? So we're dealing with issues of the heart here, right? 
I, 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 I realize there is a place for venting, right? But that should be done between you and the Lord or a counselor or somebody that you can just, you know what I'm saying? But just keep that. It's like, just like the sewage pipes need to be buried. and That, like, that ought to be done just in, in the way of, of expressing that, that venting to the Lord. So let Lord deal with my issues now. Am I even concerned with the things I have said? Do I recognize how much my words reveal my own heart? Do I control my tongue? If your answer to no is no to that question, then look at what James says in verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue... Do you, I control my tongue? No, James, I'm sorry. You deceive your heart and your religion is worthless. He says, this man's religion is where you deceive yourself and your religion is worthless. You can't control your tongue, your religion is a sham. It's empty, it's devoid of significance, it's idle, it's powerless, it's meaningless. And James says, when you come to Christ, his main primary goal is to change your heart. Now, there's a process called sanctification, right? Where you are, you are yielding to the Spirit of God over the course of your Christian life and becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less the way you used to be. So I know all of us are in process, right? So I'm not saying perfection is, but the goal is refinement and, and, and becoming less of what you were and more of Christ, right? So there's sanctification, we're all in different part along that path. And even if somebody, even look at St. Peter, who, 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 uh, who even though he was with Jesus, he, he sort of had a, a, a personal favoritism towards the Jewish brothers rather than the Gentile brothers. He had to be rebuked. In other words, all of us, no matter where we've been walking with the Lord, have need of, okay, Lord, there's still that area. Um, go to, go to um, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Talking about... Um, having um, external form of religion, but yet no heart change. Look at Isaiah 1. Go back to, with me to way to the left, sort of almost to the middle of your Bible. Um, if you find Psalms and Proverbs, go to keep going to your right. Thank you, that's helpful. Okay. And if, you know, I had some churches have, like, they have, like, standard Bibles everyone uses, because so one pastor says, well, turn to page one, you know, 1,050 or something, you know, we don't have that, so we're, so if, um, Isaiah 1 and uh, verse 10, the prophet is speaking to Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. These were external forms of, of, of worship, right? That were actually given by the law. They're supposed to do this. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling on my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your, your new moon festivals and your appointed feast. <coughs> Excuse me. 
They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing, of, of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes, my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply clears, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. See, they're going through this religion, you know, all the motions. They're going through offering sacrifices. They're doing what the law said they're doing, and they're doing that. And it was like, oh, great, we're here, God. We're here. We're offering these things. We're celebrating. We're doing what the law says. And he says, but here's the thing. I'm not going to hear that because your hands are full of blood. Whoa, wait a second. Whoa. What does this worship have to do with what's really going on behind the scenes? There's a disconnect between, between their out form of religion and where their hearts really were at, right? There's a disconnect. Now, you can fool us. You can fool your fellow Christian you know, churchgoer by outward shows of religiosity, but you don't fool God. And James says, the heart has to be changed. Isaiah continues, wash yourselves, make yourself clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil. I don't care about the religious forms if you're doing evil. That's where really the that's really where God's dealing with, right? Learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plea for the widow. So James says, those who can't control their tongue or have no desire to control their tongue, have a worthless religion. Go back to James. We'll finish up this point real fast. How do I control my tongue? You could probably write volumes of books on this, this, this topic. Uh, think before you speak. <laughs> Some of us just speak and then think, right? <laughs> Some people just, just talk, and then you only think about it. Think before you speak. Right? Ask, will what I am about to say build up or tear down? Ask, will what I'm about to say make me look good at someone else's expense? Man, there's that pride that wants to come up and look at me, look at me. God's like crucified the flesh, right? Am I trying to be right or loving? I, I fell in that one because all the times I'm like, I want to be truth. I want to be, I want to be right, but at the expense of being loving. And said, you can be right, but dead wrong when you don't speak the, the truth with love, you know? When it gets emotional, shut your mouth and walk away. Just shut your mouth and walk away. When it gets emotional, you start feeling that, Right? And when you're insulted, do what Jesus said, return it with blessings. That's self-control over that tongue, right? Guide it correctly. All right. The psalmist says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, and he does not slander with his tongue. So James says the first test really is control of the tongue. The second, go back to James, is care and compassion for those in need. Verse 27, care and compassion for those in need. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. 
So, so he's, he just got through telling us what not to do, right? Don't misuse your tongue. Now he says, here's what to do. Um, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God, our God and Father. That means pure, it means it's the word uh, uh, katharos. It means to, to clean, to be richly clean, to be, to, be, um, to be pure. And then undefiled is related to the word. It means to be free from stain or blemish, right? Pure religion is this. To visit orphans and widows in their distress. Okay, we'll stop there. So, um, the Old Testament had a lot to say about orphans and widows, right? And orphans, if you were an orphan, of course, you, you, were, you had nobody help you except for, your, you know, nobody, right? And then if you were a widow, you were in pretty bad shape. So, a widow couldn't go out and just get a job. She relied on her husband or her kids, mainly her male kids, to, 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 uh, to provide for her. Okay, and so you had kids, a lot of them, and you had a husband to provide for you. But if you were widowed, you were in a bad place. So the Old Testament law had a lot of provision for the for the widows. Uh, I'll just give you a couple examples. Um, in um, Exodus twenty two, it says, "Do not take advantage of the widow or orphan." And in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty nine that says the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work in your in your hands and all you do. And the scripture says in Deuteronomy eighteen, he executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving them food and clothing. In several several passages. Um Scripture says that God is a father to the fathers and a judge to the widows, right? So there's this concern for those who are in such great, desperate need. And widows and orphans were on the really extreme side of things, right? And James is not telling us that's all what religion is, but he says it goes to this extreme, right? Of caring, having compassion for those in great need. Um, It says the Lord protects strangers and supports fatherless and the widow, the prophets told Israel, don't oppress the widow or the orphan. Don't uh, devise evil against them. In fact, God judged Israel by how they handled their widows and orphans. Okay? Um, so, a couple observations about this. This is not an exhaustive list, right? Pure and undefiled religion is just that. No, it's that and other things too. It could be Homeless people. Could be anybody in need. Could be somebody along the side of the road that God says, give them 25 bucks, right? It's whoever's in need. And if your heart's been changed, there's a, there's a desire to want to help, right? There's a desire to want to do something to minister. What he's not saying is that doing moral things uh, is what is required for religion. No, because then you could be somebody that's very moral but have no relationship with God. There are very moral people who have no relationship with God. You know? So there isn't just the, um, that this is what's part, this is how you get into the faith, by giving and doing stuff. But it's part of it, right? That, that part is, a, there has to be a balance. Look what he says here. He says, pure and undefiled religion in the set of God our Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, see that? And to keep oneself unstained by the world. There's a balance here. There's, um, it's not just about, about um, it's about 
devotion to the Lord as well. It's about um, a balance between helping those in need and, uh, and having devotion to the Lord. Um, it's a religion of care, and yet it's also a religion of devotion to the Lord. It isn't a religion of word only, but of word and action. If your heart's been changed, it'll come out in what you do. James gives us balance. And it's not something that you have to do. It's something that you actually want to do. Your heart is changed. It takes on Christ-like nature where it wants to change. When somebody's life has been changed by, by Christ, there's a want to and a get to. You mean I get to help these people and I get joy out of this? Yes. True religion shows itself in both care to the, to the needy and devotion to the Lord. True religion, Christian religion, goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond our four walls. It goes beyond our own circle of friends. It goes even to the people that we're not familiar with, even the people that, that we're not used to seeing. It goes beyond that. Amen? This is... There's that balance here. The care for the needy reveals a changed heart. Go to First John chapter three. Go to First John three. John is to the to the to the right of James. First John three. Let's see, 17. Oh, I'm in chapter 2. Let's go back up to actually to, um, to verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know this by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. It's a care for the needy. Um, this is what we're going to do today when we prepare homeless bags, you know. We're going to prepare them, we're going to pray over them. We're going to ask God to lead us as we go out, you know, and see people and ask the Lord to use those to just, just, it's just and it's just a simple expression, right? Something simple. It doesn't have to be like we're starting a new, you know, shelter or something. It's just, it's just simple. Giving what we have. Having, um, having concern. See, when God changes your heart from, from thinking about me, me, me all the time, to others, uh, there's a, that's good. There's a sign he's been working, you know. Uh, there's, that, there's that, Lord, help me to, to, to even be more generous and to be more, more giving. Pure and undefiled religion. Go back to James, sorry, James 1. Pure and undefiled religion, the sight of our God and Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Orphans need, of course, uh, are in great need. They need... They need father figures, right? Um, 
I remember I visited an orphanage years ago, and so we went to this orphanage in Mexico. Man, these kids are so full of joy. But you know what? Something I noticed it was a big, a decent group of us that went down. Almost all of the orphans were drawn to the men. You know that they were drawn to the men. They just they were clinging to us because they didn't have any dads in their life. You know. They just wanted to have somebody hold them, right? And somebody just to be there, a man figure, father figure in their lives because they so, all of us so desperately need that. And somebody that can give them an example, protect them, you know, to encourage them. And of course, that takes time and sacrifice of time and willingness to go and willingness to to. Be led and okay, Lord, help me, you know, lead me on this. There's a heart of care. Um, visiting orphans and widows in their distress. I remember when I was listening to one preacher, he was talking about how when he was younger in the Lord, he, he was actually a minister, and they would go and visit um, um, houses where, where the widows lived, and they were, you know, um, not, they're just, you know, we're, needed, we're older and and he was read scripture to them. He would read them Bible verses, you know. And he go, and half the times they're falling asleep because they're they're not, you know, they're older and they've they're just not with it all, you know. But he would be part of his 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 uh, his routine was to go and to to read scripture to these widows, you know, to these these old the elderly and everything else. And he told his superior, he said, I don't know if it, it seems like it's a waste of time, you know, because they're falling asleep, you know, and. And his superior pointed him to what I'm going to read here, what Jesus says, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And his superior said, when you went to these widows and these elderly people who were not with it, and they were falling asleep, you were visiting and doing that to Jesus. It wasn't just to them, it was to Jesus. And they helped him out. That's really what it is about, you know. So care for the, so control of the tongue and care for the needy. And then the third point, back in James, third test, is clean from the world's influences. This is the third test. First test is control of the tongue. Second test is care for the needy. And third test is clean from the world's influences. And he says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. To be clean from the world's influences. A couple of things. To, to keep oneself means to keep, to watch closely and to guard. We live in the world that so heavily wants to influence everything it, it, it touches, Right? And there is self-control and diligence that's needed in the body of Christ to keep itself unstained by the world. I was at a birthday party yesterday. This is an example. It's so easy for things to just stain you, right? So I'm, I'm walking outside, and I, there's a bush right here, and I walked by, and I didn't see it. And then I felt it, and I'm like, it just it left a little stain on my shorts. It was that easy, you know? And I'm like, I had to go back inside and wipe the stain away because I had white shorts on, you know, which is, you know, not something I always do, but white shorts that had now the stain because I just happened inadvertently, 
You know, that's just one small example. The world, when it says the world, it's the world, James means by the world is the influences of the world, the philosophies of the world, the beliefs of the world, the way the world that looks at life, the way the world um, approaches life, right? It's different than, than Christ. And there are influences all around us. And James says, be careful to keep yourself unstained. Be careful of letting the world rub itself on you so that you show more of the world than Christ. Right? Um, it's, the world is the... Um, is not wanting to conform itself. In fact, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the wearing of... The word conformed in Romans 12 too, it means to be molded by. To be molded by the world. Um, it's actually where uh, schematic, uh, it's like schematic in Greek. Um, to, to have it shape your, your, your behavior or your beliefs, to assimilate you into its pattern, Right? James says, keep clean of the world's influences. That's a constant thing that has to happen because we are bombarded with worldly things, right? Okay, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, television, books, media, worldly friends. I mean, you just, I mean, everywhere you go, it's around you. So it's a diligent thing to say, I, I need to keep myself unstained by the world. And how does that happen? That happens by staying in the Word of God. See, the world wants to stain you with its way of thinking. Right? I should have brought my sprain wash today. I meant to bring sprain wash. Because I got, I got some clothes that always get stained. So I have to squirt the sprain. Like sometimes you've got to squirt the sp- sprain wash in your way of thinking, right? And that's the Word of God. Um... Here's a couple ideas of what the world's like. The world's idea is looking, looking out for number one first. That's a worldly idea. Right? Looking out for number one at the expense of somebody else. That's a worldly idea. Looking at life with the eyes of what you can see and control with the purpose of promoting yourself. That's a worldly idea. Jesus says, I'm calling you to lay down your lives, to deny yourself. The world hates that idea. Promote yourself. Deny yourself, promote yourself. Right? The world promotes self-promotion. Word of God promotes self-denial. The world promotes self-independence. I don't need God. I'm my own God. That's the worldly way of thinking. Scripture promotes self-dependence on God. What's influencing you? Let me ask you, do you have more, does the world have more influence on you? You start believing what it teaches, we start thinking the way it thinks, or do you have more influence on the world? Jesus said we are to be in the world but not of the world, right? So we have a different way of thinking. And that's not mean I can't go to restaurants, I can't go to movies, or I can't. That's not what it is. It's more of a way of thinking of what's, 
how life works. James says, keep clean of the world. Um, it's something you have to keep at it to be. And this is the water. This is the water. This is the brainwash, right? The more you are in this word, reading it, meditating on it, digesting it, that means like letting it sink in, the more it starts coming out. Does that make sense? If you're not in this word, well, I, 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 um, this is water to the soul. So pure and undefiled religion is visiting orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself unstained by the world. Jesus says if you're, you're the salt of the earth, don't lose your saltiness. Where are you spending your time? Where is your mind? Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the... transformation of your mind. That means taking on... It's, it's, it takes effort. Right? It takes diligence. Take sensitivity to recognize, oh, there's something I'm believing here that's just not right. It's, it's not according to the word of God. Be careful what is influencing you. What are you doing to spend your time? Who are you surrounding, who are you surrounding yourself, yourself with? What do you watch? What are you listening to? Now think about that. Those, those are, there are things that want to get into how you think, through your eyes, through your ears, Right? What do you watch? What do you listen to? Do the, the people you're around, do they lead you to a humble life and a godly perspective? You know? Or do they lead you to dissatisfaction and argument? Just, do they lead you to selfish pride and arrogance and, or do they lead you to Christ to be like Christ-like? Do they lead you to loving others and serving one another and prayer and prayer for the leaders and do they lead you to building up the kingdom of God, advancing his kingdom or do they lead you to yourself? These are things, Jude James says, keep yourself clean, clean living, unstained by the world, or unstained by the world's influences. So are the tests again? Control your tongue. All right. Second, care, care for others, right? And thirdly, clean life. You know, those are 
Those are tests. Those are assessments. We could say, where am, I, where am I in each one? And how do I, I want to become better at becoming more like Christ. And maybe it means change, making changes. They're good, right? Because at the end of the day, we're, we're, Paul says that I want to present you as a bride pure before Christ, right? Unblemished, unadulterated. I want to present you as, that's the goal, Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I know like today, Lord, it's, it's hard hitting and it challenges, challenges me, but God, I receive that. I, and all of us, Lord, desire to become more like Christ. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would direct, um, direct us and teach us and the areas of growth and and ultimately, Lord, we desire to have our hearts pure, not just in in, in well in thought as well, but in, in how how we think, Lord, and what we think about. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, continue the work you've started in us, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for the fact that. You're the only one who can bring true change to our lives. You're the only one who can change our human heart. And I pray, Lord, as um, let it be that people see that work. Let it, people, let it be that people see the work of Christ in our lives. Or maybe we used to talk a certain way, but then you've given us self-control. Or maybe we used to not really care about people, but now we have this compassion and a desire. And let it be, Lord, we hunger and thirst to, to walk in your ways and, and become disgusted with the, the, way, the world's way of thinking, Lord. Let it be that our, our hearts, our desire is to be pleasing to you, Lord, and, and to learn of you, God. Purify our hearts, Lord. And let it be that we are salt of the earth and are salty and light to those around us, God. Just thank you, Lord, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. This is, this is great. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. I know, it was, I was hitting pretty hard today. I know that. Praise the Lord, right? But His Word is good. His Word, it, it changes the heart, and it, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Anyway, God is good. God is good. Hey, I'm, I'm, first of all, everyone's invited. Come over to our house. Have lunch. Prepare the homeless bags. Fellowship. Bless one another. We're going we're gonna to have a wonderful time. And uh, I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you and that he would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and that he would lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And I pray also that he would give you such a burning hunger to know him, a desire to walk in his ways, and that the Holy Spirit would just be gracious in that whole process, you know, and that we would be receptive to that. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you guys in a little bit. Take care.